Hello and welcome to another episode of Word of Mouth, a podcast all about evangelization for the Archdiocese of St. Louis. Thank you for tuning in again to all listeners. Maybe you're coming to us from another diocese or archdiocese as well, so welcome. We are representing St. Louis today. I am with a wonderful guest named Kelly Roth today, who is an occupational therapist. And before we begin with her wonderful story and her insights, just want to remind all of our listeners that if you don't want to miss an episode of our wonderful Word of Mouth podcast, make sure you subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, or any other podcast app. Just search for the Archdiocese of St. Louis to find us, and then once you've subscribed, make sure to rate us and share us with all your friends. So like I said today, I am your host, Michael Horn, and I am with Kelly Roth. Kelly, how are you doing? A little nervous, but good. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. No, that's awesome. Thank you so much for being with me today, and it's, I can't wait to just delve into your story. So as we normally go about this wonderful process, just wondering what your background and childhood was like as you grew up, if you just wouldn't mind sharing a little bit about how you were raised and your faith journey growing up with our listeners today. Okay, no worries. Pretty much cradle Catholic. I knew that when I had to have a buffet of snacks and books in order to get through the hour-long Mass each week. And my earnest goal as a kid was to see above the pew and to rest my arms on the pew. So hashtag cradle Catholic right there. (laughs) We said the typical prayers at dinner and before bedtime. I felt like I always knew about God, but didn't really know God himself in a real way until going on a retreat in seventh grade. But you know, growing up, went to Incarnate Word Catholic grade school and St. Joseph's Academy Catholic High School, and yeah, had a great upbringing mm-hmm. awesome. in St. Louis. Awesome. And Kelly, I talked about this in the initial interview. I know this is just terrible of me to do this, but can you let our listeners know how old you are? <laughs> 35. Okay. <laughs> I won't ever speak of it again. Okay, awesome. <laughs> and, and you have one older sister, is that right? One older sister, Emily. Emily, And awesome. three beautiful nieces. Okay, excellent. And my parents, Doug and Maureen, shout out. Mm. Awesome. And so after St. Joe's, you went to? Mizzou. Mizzou and studied? Occupational therapy. Awesome. Bachelor's and master's. Okay, very cool. So Kelly's an occupational therapist, so shout out to anybody out there who's an occupational therapist because you do great work for us. So thank you so much. And you're not a physical therapist as you're called <laughs> all day long. <laughs> OT, not PT. Thank yeah. you. So that's awesome. And Kelly, if you could just talk now a little bit as you were growing up, like you mentioned, you had known about God, but not God. And so if you could just talk a little bit more about that in your faith journey growing up, how you came to this encounter with mm-hmm. the Lord. I remember one significant event that helped me actually get into my faith, and it was the Luke 18 retreat in seventh grade, which blew my seventh grade mind, helped me bring Jesus down from heaven and into the here and now. It helped that my youth group had a really funny, cool youth minister, shout out to Steve Allgaier, that got our class involved, and so pretty much everyone was on retreat, but just had a real encounter that made me thirsty for more. I knew that this way of living was different, and I couldn't quite put my finger on it, but I wanted to know more, and I wanted I wanted in, and so... I got really involved with Life Teen and started to go on retreats and go to Christ Power and Steubenville and 
pretty much anything else that they served up. And that took me into college, giving and going on retreats and just feeding the spirit that was stirred up in grade school. Excellent. Praise God. And I know from my own experience, so you can't deny this, that you have amazing vocal talent. And so you have sang in a couple music groups as well. Yeah, That's correct. Awesome. Awesome. And what would you say is one of the most important things as you kind of journeyed through, obviously you mentioned the events and the experiences, but what sustained you in your relationship with Christ as we come to this point today, would you say? Definitely the Holy Spirit being a huge part of my experience of guiding and leading and speaking to my interior self, as well as just a solid community of friends, friendships, and kind of getting plugged in for those times that you feel kind of some resistance or that you struggle. And, you know, there's a safety net of people that are kind of in the same frame of mind that can buoy you. Mm -hmm. Sure, sure. Excellent. Thank you for sharing that wonderful story of your faith journey. And we'll get more into it, I'm sure, as we discuss a little bit more here. I just want to say that I'm super humbled, as we were talking before the show today, that I have been to 10 foreign countries and was relatively prideful about that. (laughs) And Kelly has been to 22 foreign countries. And so I will sit down or remain seated (laughs) in this moment. So... If you just want to talk now as we transition to the question about kind of blessings and challenges of your life that you've encountered so far, we talked about the faith journey and the childhood and adolescence and such, but as you've progressed, some blessings and challenges you've experienced, and if you want to comment on a couple of these mission trips and foreign experiences, that'd be great. Yeah. Yeah. One of the biggest blessings was getting to do some mission work in Peru back in 2011, just felt this restlessness stirring inside of me and knew that God was nudging me to do some mission work. I'd always wanted to study abroad and learn Spanish in college, but with my master's program, there wasn't time for that. So as you know, I'm working and just feeling this continued desire to go abroad. I just took the plunge and served for a year in Trujillo, Peru from January to December of 2011 in an orphanage and had my heartstrings pulled and they bled and there were so many highs and lows and I felt crazy and it just was the most beautiful experience I've ever been a part of. In addition to going on other mission trips, shorter mission trips, um, Guyana and Malawi, and yeah, I think those are the other mission trips that I went on. But again, just having the blessing of a true tribe of women of wisdom that back me up and the ability to share my gifts and homeless ministry and just our women's group that meets regularly. So Mm -hmm. I would say those are the biggest blessings. Different challenges along the way, just family members having different illnesses and sicknesses and having to kind of put your life on hold for a little bit to help them along. And I only have one sister and her being abroad for 
a long time. That was hard. I felt like an only child for a little bit. And kind of having most recently in the last year or so, having kind of a dark night of the soul experience, the closest that I can speak of, but just not seeing the fruits of labor, of prayer, of showing up, of, you know, leaning into God and just that despair and that, you know, kind of feeling like, are things going to get better? And, you know, where are you, God? As well as the challenge of working with patients that are deteriorating, that are depressed, that are hurting, and that I know that I'm kind of limitless or helpless in tackling some of their issues. And especially when your cup is empty. And and like I said, going through that dark night of the soul and just feeling like kind of going to work was a struggle because I knew that I was there to help people and try to infuse hope and healing when I felt like I needed that myself. Absolutely. Yeah, that's powerful. And I think that's a good reminder to all of us just about the reality of the Christian life, because the Christian life is one of joy. It's one of hope that fills our spirit, but there are trials and we're not always on cloud nine. And that's real and that's Mm -hmm. uh, authentic. And I thank you for talking about that because sometimes we experience such joy in our faith, and then the next day it kind of disappears. And like you said, there's a temptation maybe to despair or hopelessness, or there's a questioning of why. Why is this like this? How can there be this great shift? It's kind of like St. Louis weather. (laughs) You know, you never know. It's crazy. But I think that's just the reality of the situation. So we can keep an interior peace and joy, but there's still struggles that need to be dealt with. And so I think that's really powerful. And so you mentioned now, you've been an occupational therapist is it for 10? 11 years. 11 years. Yeah. Awesome. So you view that as sort of a calling, as a vocation and a mission. If you just want to talk a little bit more about some maybe secondary or primary vocations, missions, purposes that you think that you've kind of discerned or discovered in your journey thus far, how you feel the Lord calling you to act, just in your work, in your vocation, just whatever. Anything you want to add about that? It's a lot of questions. Yeah, okay. one at a time. We can slow it down. <laughs> I can break, break, it, break it down if, if you want. But No, that's uh, yeah. good. Okay. I'm also a part-time assistant for L'Arche, which that's is right. an interfaith intentional community of people with and without disabilities. So that's been a huge blessing. Also been working with them since November. God willing, I feel like a vocation is marriage, if that would come to that. Another mission just... In working with SSM hospitals, their mission statement is something that I've adopted for my own in revealing the healing presence of God to others. I just love that we ourselves are the most powerful medicine or thing that we can give another person, just our true presence and showing up and being fully alive and fully vulnerable to those that we encounter Especially I feel like the patients that I work with on a daily basis, they're at such a vulnerable state already. You know, they're physically naked a lot of times and they're emotionally just fragile and 
they're helpless over their schedule about when they get a bath, when they take medicine, when they go to the bathroom, you know, they have to call for help for all these things. And so just showing up for them in matching their vulnerability can be a beautiful thing. A lot of sessions, a lot of times you remember the worst comments that people have said, and it's rare that you remember the nicest compliment, but a couple years ago, I was with my cousin Katie, and she said the nicest thing probably I've ever had said to me, Um, and she said, you're like a warm blanket. She said, everyone feels more comfortable and better after you're with them, and it was just such a great analogy for me working in the hospital and giving people warm blankets and seeing their immediate relief and comfort after I cover them up and tuck them in and hearing them say like, oh, that feels so good. So one of my other missions is just to be a warm blanket to people, to love people as best as I can, to, you know, show up. And with Larsh, one of their things is recognizing our need for one another, regardless of ability, and just knowing we belong to one another. And yeah, being the warmth of God to others who are lonely, uncomfortable, suffering, And for the last, I guess, three years, I've been pretty faithful about volunteering at St. Peter and Paul Homeless Shelter. And it's something that um, I just love so much because it fills me. I think I I get more out of it than than they do. But just playing games, sharing stories, playing music there, feeding them a meal. It's just such a a life-giving thing all around. Awesome. You're very involved. Yeah, this is a wonderful example of service to others. So thank you. I love the warm blanket analogy, too. <laughs> it just, it's really powerful. So thank you for sharing that. And then finally, this is our last question. I know you've answered a lot, but maybe just one more <laughs> <laughs> about evangelization. So the whole purpose of this podcast to evangelize and to present how different people live the gospel and share the good news of Christ with other people. So how would you define evangelization for our listeners? I'm going to steal Father Greg Boyle's token word, kinship. So being in kinship with one another and going to the margins, not with expectation to rescue or change anyone, but to love them and return them to themselves and their beauty and be transformed yourself in the process. Dismantling barriers and realizing we each have the same worth as children of God. And going back to the Larsh thing, Mm -hmm. we recognize that we need each other and we belong to each other. And yeah, showing the love of God to others through yourself and your gifts that you have. Amen. Awesome. Thank you. And so based on your story and your responses about kind of blessings, challenges, mission, vocation, evangelization, there's a lot that's encompassed there. And so Our catechesis today will be actually on the Holy Spirit, which is a topic that addresses a lot of these things. So Kelly mentioned a lot of her ministry as an occupational therapist, as a volunteer, and she talks about comforting and consoling and being the warmth and the presence of God to other people. And that is the sort of characteristics and attributes that we often assign to the Holy Spirit, the third member of the Blessed Trinity. And so we're going to talk a little bit about the Holy Spirit today. And so it's because the Holy Spirit is the most hidden of the divine persons in the Trinity that, as Jesus himself said, the world does not receive him, for it neither knows him nor sees him. And that's from John 14, 17. And so it takes time, it takes prayer and an effort on our part 
to enter into an understanding and deeper knowledge and relationship with the Holy Spirit. So the spirit of our age and our times is very much against the Spirit of God. So the Holy Spirit is the one, though, who awakens faith in us and propels us to love, as Kelly mentioned. So by sending the Holy Spirit, who is the love of God, poured out into our hearts, God especially revealed that he is love. And so love is a gift of one person to another, and so it is within the union and communion of the Blessed Trinity, who is the source of all love in our life. And as the Holy Spirit is the love of God, the love between the Father and Son, he is the first gift of God who contains all of God's other gifts to us, as the Catechism tells us in paragraph 733. The revelation of the Trinity was completed when the Father and the Son sent the Holy Spirit at Pentecost. So the Holy Spirit came down in the form of tongues of fire, symbolizing love, on the heads of the apostles, the first leaders of the church. And so this sending of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost also completes the paschal mystery of Christ's death and resurrection, because Christ could not send the Holy Spirit until he had been glorified. And so as Christ ascended into heaven, and as the Holy Spirit was sent down on Mary and the apostles, the first disciples of Jesus at Pentecost, so the church now is the place where we can know the Spirit. And so we can come to a greater knowledge and understanding and relationship with the Holy Spirit through the church, through the sacraments, through prayer, through what is available to us in the church. So we find the Holy Spirit in the church in several ways that the Catechism outlines in paragraph 688. So we find the Holy Spirit in the scriptures, in tradition, in the teaching of the church, in the liturgy, in prayer, in the charisms that build up the church, in our mission of evangelizing, and in the witness of holy lives, especially of the saints, for the Spirit is the source of all holiness in the church. And so the mission of the Holy Spirit for us is inseparable from the mission of the Son. Jesus was filled with the Holy Spirit, and he cast out demons by the Holy Spirit, and when he ascended into heaven, he told the disciples to wait for power from on high, which was the Holy Spirit. And so before they went out all over the world to preach the gospel, the apostles received the power of the Holy Spirit. And so the same is true for us today as disciples in contemporary times following Jesus. So we must wait as well to receive the Holy Spirit in order to be effective witnesses, whether we minister as an occupational therapist, as a volunteer, whatever sort of ministry we do in the world, we can rely on the Holy Spirit to fill us and to propel us to be those people of joy, the hands and feet of Christ, as St. Teresa of Avila pointed out, just that we are the body of Christ on earth. And so we have these gifts from the Holy Spirit to share with other people for building up the church. The Spirit and the church cooperate together to manifest Christ and his saving work in the liturgy as well, which is the memorial of the mystery of our salvation, which is found principally in the Eucharist, but also in the other sacraments. So the Holy Spirit is at the heart of the liturgy, as every sacrament contains what's called an epiclesis, which is a Greek word that symbolizes the pouring out of the Holy Spirit and the calling down of the Holy Spirit. And so that this Spirit then transforms us into the image of Christ that we're all called to, in which our human race was initially made from the beginning. So the Holy Spirit is charged with bringing about in us and making us a new creation. So we are now restored to the image in which the first human being was fashioned by the hands of the Son and the Holy Spirit, but was disfigured by sin through the life-giving Spirit. So we are lifted again into a great capacity to love and to, like Kelly said, restore our dignity, our worth, our beauty that was given to us from the beginning. And so the Spirit accomplishes this great work in us. So the Holy Spirit not only awakens faith in us, but also teaches us how to pray. So sometimes when we're lost on how to pray, 
we can turn to paragraph 2650 of the Catechism to be reminded that it is the Spirit that leads us into prayer. He draws us to prayer in the first place by His grace, and He prompts us to pray at any time of the day. The Spirit enables us to pray with all three of the supernatural virtues, which are the foundations of prayer, faith, hope, and charity. The Spirit is the source of our prayer, which asks for the gift of Him, and the Spirit is the gift of love, and love is the source of our prayer. And so we go out from prayer, and we go to prayer because of love. And so the more and more times we pray, and the more we are in communion with the Blessed Trinity, we are given the power to love, and through that love, we are also called back into prayer and communion with our Lord, who is love. Finally, the Holy Spirit is the spirit of unity who unites the church, because the Spirit is the principle of the activities of her various members. And so there are a variety of gifts that we possess, but the same Spirit, as 1 Corinthians 12 tells us. The Spirit is to the church as the soul is to our body. So the church is one by the soul that animates it, which is the Holy Spirit. And so the end of the mission of the Holy Spirit in our lives is to unite us to Christ and to make us live in him by the anointing that has been given to us. So there's a great wealth that we can plunge into through a knowledge and relationship with the Holy Spirit. So I just invite you to consider how you can develop a deeper relationship with the Holy Spirit in your life, because the Holy Spirit reminds us of the great gifts that we have, the dignity that we possess, and he restores us to that image that we had of being made in Christ's image and in his likeness. And so by praying to the Holy Spirit, We're emboldened to live as authentic witnesses and to evangelize and to bring our healing gifts and other gifts that we possess to others. And so back to Kelly, we're just going to conclude our segment, as we normally do, with her advice on being a good evangelist. Shoot, you were doing so well there. (laughs) No, (laughs) thank you. Thank you very much. So what would you say for our listeners? Maybe they're just tuning in right now. They don't want any catechesis on the Holy Spirit. They just want your five points here about how to be a good evangelist. What would you tell them? Well, you missed Michael's uh, (laughs) catechesis on the Holy Spirit, so I will go there. Um, Invite the Holy Spirit along and let him do the heavy lifting, especially with all my patients. Before I walk in the room, I just say, come Holy Spirit in my heart and invite him with me, actually ahead of me, to set the scene and to just guide my session and help me to be the most loving, warm blanket mode person that I can be. And a lot of times it is a beautiful encounter. The second one, I would say, take time to be quiet and listen and hear his direction. I never thought he spoke to me or that I was able to hear, but that's probably because I was too busy or it was too loud, too much going on. So when I do quiet myself and when I take time to listen, you know, what are the unique desires that I'm hearing or who is he putting on my heart? The Peru year-long service trip was because of a constant nudging that was happening that I finally paid attention to. So just pay attention to these promptings. Third is kind of a side step on that one, just getting out in nature and experiencing beauty for yourself. So this is especially to me, Kelly, put down your phone and go outside and break for beauty and just just soak it in. A lot of times, like I'll go on a walk around my neighborhood and just that's my prayer time is just walking and listening and 
hearing, oh, you know, who's coming to my heart and, you know, kind of what else do I need to do or other action steps, which is another of the five steps is taking action. So whoever he brought to my heart, sending them a text to ask how their doctor's appointment was that they were worried about or setting up a dinner for the person that broke her leg or, you know, the taking action was starting to do music at the homeless shelter because I knew that God was prompting me to use music in a certain way. But it was finally when I took the time to listen and see the opportunities that presented themselves was I able to finally take action. And that's also when you say, I'll pray for you or taking action. A lot of times I need to do it right there and then on the spot. And sometimes that's the only way I feel effective with patients is that just I'll say a prayer with them and I'll see their visible calm and relief and know that I did my part. And the last thing is just bringing your gifts to the scene and knowing your strengths and and using them. Excellent. Break those down real quick. That's awesome. So invite the Holy Spirit into every situation with prayer. Take time to be quiet. Put the phone away. Listen to God. Third, get out in nature and experience and be consumed by the beauty that is around us because we can get in many ways distracted by a lot of sights and sounds in the world today that aren't so beautiful. And so there's a lot of beauty around us. We just take the time to look and absorb it and to listen to, like Kelly said, any promptings or nudges from God about a particular person that comes to our heart or our mind. Call, text, talk in person, follow up with people about events, big life events and things that are going on, struggles and difficulties. Follow up with people, just see how they're doing. And then finally, like she said, bring your gifts to the scene. The Lord has given us great gifts in many ways. and We all possess different gifts. There might be gifts of healing, service, whatever it might be, preaching, speaking, sharing the gospel, just whatever it might be, you have gifts. You have a lot of listening skills, counseling skills, whatever it might be. So just take time to think about those strengths and then use them in the situation. So I just want to say thank you so much, Kelly, for sharing your story with us. It was a blessing to be with you. Thank you. It was an honor to be chosen. Oh, for sure, for sure. And so I just want to remind our listeners that you can check out this episode of the Word of Mouth podcast, again, coming to you from the Archdiocese of St. Louis. If you look up Archdiocese of St. Louis on any podcast app, and then you'll find us under Word of Mouth. And once you've subscribed, please rate us and share us with your friends. So again, my name is Michael Horn, the host of Word of Mouth, and it was great to be with Kelly Roth, our wonderful guest. And just God bless you and you and your families as well as we continue to walk this road that is the Christian life. God bless you.